Welcome to Food Friends. I'm Carrie. And I'm Sonia. We met in Los Angeles over 15 years ago as private chefs and haven't stopped talking about food since. We created Food Friends to share our stories and recipes with each other and you. We're so glad you're here. We're starting the new year by sharing some of our favorite recipes that give veggies the starring role in our weeknight meals. We both love veggies, and this conversation makes me excited to get into the kitchen and create meals that lean into vegetables and herbs for flavor. Stay tuned for a conversation about some of our favorite vegetarian dishes. Hi, Sonia. Hi, Carrie. I'm so excited to talk to you today. It's always a great day when we're talking about food. Or talking at all. Same, same. Um, I want to talk about this dish that I made recently, which reminded me of you and of many dishes that we've made together. It was a cauliflower parmesan with farro. It was a Wait, stop. Dish. This is the dish I want to talk to you about. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. This is – Well, we've talked about this dish. We've talked particular. about it. There's so many iterations of this dish. Well, yeah, I want let's to go definitely back get to into it. it. Yeah, I want to yeah. get into it because like one of us found it, sent it to the other – it was based on other things that we've done together when we did these retreats. You found it. You found it, Carrie. Okay. And, and how I know this is because you know how you feel about baking? Like you're kind of like, eh, I'm okay with baking. That's yes. how I feel about following recipes. I like <laughs> to get me to follow a recipe takes so much work because even if I get a recipe, I'm like always changing and modifying. But when you tell me to follow a recipe, I follow it. And this is why I wanted to bring it up. But this is so great because I feel like sometimes we're cooking things at the same time. And obviously we were cooking this. But I think I was asking you about like great hosting dishes or vegetarian hosting dishes. I can't even remember the question. Okay. So I found this recipe in the New York Times. It's by a food writer named Sarah D. De Gregorio, I think I'm if I'm saying her name the right way. And it's really it reminds me of a couple of dishes that you and I have made um, at retreats. I think in the fall we made like a eggplant parmesan that was kind of like a baked, it was like baked eggplant. We put marinara on top of it and then we covered the top with crispy garlic panko. Remind me, it was we did two things. This is how this dish evolved. It, it, was, it was a total <laughs> collaboration of you and me. It started at the retreat, the healing retreat that we worked at together, which like bonded yes. us which we've talked about before. And you brought forth this deconstructed eggplant parmesan. Right, right. Which was a gourmet recipe that I had known for years. And it's basically like you're roasting uh, little eggplants in half and then you're topping it with cheese. And then I think I added my buttery, garlicky, panko breadcrumb topping. Which yes. is like literally just what it sounds. It's panko, butter, and garlic yes. and sauteed into golden bran. And then it's the most heavenly thing you've ever had. Because it's really – the panko is fluffy and It's crunchy. so fluffy yes. and crunchy and fluffy you can put it on salads, yes. anything. It was okay. on everything, yeah. So we topped with that and then we cooked another retreat, but it wasn't eggplant season anymore. And you and I like to cook seasonally. We like to get our food from yeah. the farmer's market. And so it was cauliflower season. So we're like, well, why right. can't we, so we do this ca- – right. Did. Yeah, so we did. And by the way, I make this dish so often, it's ridiculous. You take little cauliflowers, you make like little mini steaks, you cut them so they're like sort of flat. Yeah. And then you top them with red sauce and mozzarella and you finish them off with these breadcrumbs the and breadcrumbs. it's like so the delicious. yumminess 
pizza e vegetable. Right. So this girl basically did did a version of that. Like she should be our food friend. We should have this conversation with her. Where does where did this recipe come from? But she basically did a version of that that also that's like you chop up the cauliflower, you bake it with marinara and farro, and then you top it with the breadcrumbs and the cheese. And so it's a it's like a casserole. It's like a casserole or I would even call it a deconstructed lasagna. I was just about to say to me it's so in the lasagna family. It is. Yes. It's literally called farro and cauliflower parmesan, Parmesan, which is actually closer to what our dish was than I think this dish was. But this is in the lasagna world. So it's like all the flavors of lasagna has the – you can't even taste the cauliflower, I would say. The cauliflower just adds like – the you softness. Really, yeah. It's almost a, like a noodle. And a sweetness. Because, you know, when, sweetness. You, when you roast cauliflower, it becomes so much sweeter, you know, almost to the point that, I mean, sometimes it gets too sweet, which is why a lot of dishes call for like a lot of garlic or spice or or whatever. But yeah, it sort of melts in. It totally and, melts in. And then there's that yeah, chewy, nutty farro bit. Chewy, nutty farro, which is amazing. And then the melty, oozy, browned cheese. And then yes. if you add those breadcrumbs and you get that like hit, of crunch on the top. And I have not met a kid who doesn't like this. It's like the sneakiest recipe. Well, and you know, I'm always cautious about using that word sneaky. As you know, like we have talked about this many times, like I believe in being honest with kids. That was an approach that I had as a private chef. And I'm very honest with my child about what I'm putting into his food. I don't like pretend like I'm not like, look at it, it's a cheeseburger. And it's like right. made of beans and broccoli or whatever, because kids are smart. They know exactly what yeah. you're talking about. But I do think that it's calling it a cauliflower cauliflower far farro parmesan is like the cauliflower is not on the at the main part of the stage right it's just like this nutty farro and it's cheesy and it's crunchy and it really is in the lasagna category it scoops if you don't like um get a slice of it right it's just like you kind of yeah it's like a pile but Um, i mean and i have to say to your like look i also don't have a kid and so I'm not I believe with you like I grew up eating vegetables and my nieces but you have your nieces I have my nieces and they yeah they eat so I feed them vegetables very openly I guess I meant sneaky not in terms of like you should lie about what's in this but sneaky in terms of like it doesn't taste like a vegetable it tastes like pasta somehow even though there's no pasta in it yeah that's a great so I meant more like not that you should trick people into eating this but that (laughs) It might be something, someone who isn't so into cauliflower yeah. or farro even, but if they taste it, it's like those flavors are hidden somehow. They meld together into something they meld greater. together. Yeah. It's like yeah. the sum is greater than the individual parts of it for sure. And I'm actually really fascinated because since I've made this a lot since I discovered it, but I, I hadn't made it for a while. I made it recently. And I ha- I was having a lot of thoughts about um, like you basically just throw everything into a bowl. It's a really easy thing to assemble, right? You just like chop up yeah. the cauliflower, you rinse the farro, you throw it in the bowl, you add marinara sauce. And then she's come up with this amazing combination that includes like balsamic vinegar, which gives it this like there's a richness to oh, it. A tablespoon of or two tablespoons of dried yes, oregano. I, balsamic I, or sherry vinegar. And I use sherry. sherry. Yeah. I love that hit of acidity. You're totally Totally yes. right. And also it's you can use jarred marinara. That literally oh, is what I always the use said. I don't like use Re- yes. I don't use like my homemade. I just use Rayos or Thrive yeah. Market tomato basil or whatever. But yeah, Mac is my son Mac is six, as you know. So he is sort of getting into this place where he cooks a little bit with me, but 
but he can't like make a recipe. But I have a niece who's 12 who is a really good cook. Like if you have an older child or if you're just someone who's like trying to learn how to cook a little bit, this is such a great recipe because I have made this where I've like assembled it on a Sunday and baked it on a Tuesday. Exactly. For instance, what, what happened recently was that Mac and I ended up being the only ones at home. James had a night that he had to be out. And so of course, Mac and I didn't eat, you know, we ate like a, and I reheated it for lunch like three days in a row. And what's amazing about the farro that I think makes it different than pasta is that the farro retains its texture. Oh, so it definitely. still stays chewy as, as opposed to like, you know, when you make lasagna, if you're not cautious about how much you cook, do or don't cook those noodles, they just get soft. They just get really soft. Yeah. And I don't mind a soft noodle and lasagna, but I appreciate the texture of the farro, especially with the yeah. softness of the cauliflower. And I was just about to say the same thing. The reason I love this recipe and keep going back to it and back to it and back to it and follow it exactly as written is because for entertaining or even for like, if you want to give someone who just had a kid or you want to, you're delivering a meal to someone, you can really assemble this ahead of time. It freezes really well, just like a lasagna. And then like you, if I'm making it for us in the home, we eat the leftovers for days and yeah. it just never gets old because it's like pizza. It's it it's is. like healthy it's pizza. Like, it's like healthy pizza. Yeah. Cause it has yeah. that like depth of flavor that honestly, as a person who understands flavor, I still, when I eat this dish, I'm like, how did you do this? And this is where I want to take our conversation because like we have a sh- this shared history of this kind of dish together. But I also remember there have been several times where we've talked to, cause when I have this dish, I'm like, there's so many variations. Let's think about what they would be. So I want to know, like, have you done variations on this? And I will throw out this idea of like, you've talked about these baked rice dishes and I want to know how you do baked rice because I'm not like a, I don't know how to do a baked rice dish. You know, what's amazing about baked rice is really, I think, I'm not sure where it originated. It's very common in the Middle East. It's common in other places, but it's like the most fail-proof way of making a large batch of rice. You know how like it's hard to make rice on a stovetop, cooking rice for a crowds. Like yeah. if you're using more than like a cup or two of rice, if you don't get it exactly right, it gets scooey or mushy yeah. or too dry. Yeah, it like needs more space or something. You need like a yeah. giant pot and it like doesn't, yeah, you're right. It doesn't, if you're- It doesn't work out well. Yeah. And I remember even at the restaurant, there was a meal where we were wanting to cook like a lot of rice and we were like nervous about the rice. Of every element of the email, of the meal, the rice was like the most nerve wracking part. But then we realized, oh, we can use a technique, which lots of restaurants do, which is to cook the rice in the oven. And Yota Motolenghi actually has a great baked rice recipe and those ratios are often what I go to. I think okay. he- puts, what Do you know what cookbook that's in? I believe it's in plenty more. Okay. And I'll make sure to link it in our show yeah. notes. But I believe it has like rice and cinnamon stick and maybe some kind of citrus element and then just water or stock, maybe saffron, maybe turmeric. I always like to do turmeric in my life, in my rice, whether it's so nice, top or baked. That nice golden color to it. Yeah. yeah. And then there's this tradition of baked rice dishes called plov that I grew up with. And they're and from Uzbekistan traditionally. And they actually have a really cool history, which also relates to Jewish food and the Jewish immigrants 
from Persia who ended up over there and started making this kind of Persian style dish. And then Alexander the Great discovered it. And then he oh made it God. popular across Russia. It has a really cool history, but plov is like this very common dish across the former Soviet Union. And it's a baked rice dish and has usually like shredded carrot and onion and then some kind of meat, but it can equally be made vegetarian. Like right. you could put in mushrooms or you could put in, a lot of people do dried fruit or you could do some nuts. And I make that a lot too. And I'll link that recipe. But basically, yeah, it's like nestling all these things into a pot with some broth or with some water and then sticking it in the oven and that's it. And, and it's so – It's like set it and forget it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, is, I, which is nice knowing that this really flavorful thing is coming out on, on the other side. I love one pot meals. I love one sheet, yes. sheet pan meals. I love casseroles. I hate the word casserole because people have such connotations with it of yeah. like canned soup mix and stuff. And it's like – but casseroles are like one of the best community meal thing, yeah. family meal object. Like, And they're so easy because like you said, you put things in a bowl and you put them in a casserole dish and you're done. So yeah. it makes me think of one other dish that's vegetarian as well, that actually comes from you and me because you and I collaborated on teaching a casserole class. Do you remember? Oh gosh, yes. I forgot about this. Yes. Okay. We did a whole class on casseroles. On so, vegetarian, veggie forward casseroles, which we called, forward. it was like tarts, like a, a slightly more clever name. It was like- uh, We made it sexy sounding because it was- We made it a little sexy. Oh gosh, we should go back and look at that class. We should totally go look at that class. Yeah. But I remember one of the recipes that I honestly make over and over and riff on. And I think it's an incredible like vegetarian weeknight meal, anytime meal. And it's that quinoa. Basically you take quinoa and you combine it with a bunch of Mediterranean like vegetables. Um, I think we were doing this in the summer, but you could do it different times of the year, but you would do like zucchini and eggplant, pepper and tomato, but right, you could equally- around. Right. Yeah, and a I bunch of herbs equal- like basil and part, you know, exactly. Yeah, there was like a tomato element. So in the winter, you could easily do cauliflower, quinoa, tomato. You could probably do some squash or some. I was thinking like turnips are actually really lovely and sweet. Anyway, you could take winter vegetables and do this too. And you basically do a quinoa bake. It's like you mix it all in a bowl. Yeah, a lot of flavor. That's like a there's a real flavor. opportunity to build flavor there. Yeah, and then feta crumbled on top because. Right. The feta, the sharpness of feta cheese with those like roasted vegetables in the quinoa, it's the same idea as this farro kali dish, but it's like a instead of Italian, it's more into the Middle East, into the Mediterranean and those yeah. flavors. When you started to say quinoa, I immediately started thinking about these quinoa cakes that you used to make, but it's basically the same exact thing that you were saying about putting, you know, mixing it all together and putting it into a casserole dish. And instead you can just pop that into muffin tins yes. and top it with like feta or something like that. And then I remember you saying, it's like, you can take them, you know, take them with you and put them in your lunch or something. You're talking about some of our favorite like a vegetarian amazing kind of grain and vegetable dishes this one is one of my favorites so I first was inspired to make it based on a recipe in 101 cookbooks by Heidi Swanson she has this amazing blog I don't think she's blogging anymore but she has several published cookbooks and she has a subscription newsletter and she um she's a vegetable lover like I I appreciate her writing because she's a vegetable lover yeah I think she is a vegetarian all her cookbooks are vegetarian so she had this recipe years and years ago that just like 
I fell in love with. And it was these quinoa cakes and I started to riff on them. But essentially, they're you cook quinoa or you can have like previously frozen quinoa or you can have leftover quinoa. Yeah. So and then you combine it with like eggs and greens. You cook like chard or spinach or kale. And then you add like green onions or onions and garlic and all kinds of spices. She does like cumin and coriander. I do that. I do that. You can or take it in any other. direction you want to go. Take it in any yes. direction. It's yes. a blank canvas. You could add little like chopped up red pepper. You could add so many different flavors, pieces of butternut, butternut squash, squash yes. or kabocha, or totally. spaghetti squash would do well in that. Yeah, Exactly. And you make basically a batter out of this uh-huh. and you can do it a couple different ways. You could fry them like fritters in a pan and then the quinoa gets all crispy Crust- and lovely oh. on the outside, yes. like a laka. Yes, please. Like a laka. Or Or you can put them in a muffin tin, like you said, or you can even form them into little discs and put them on a sheet pan and bake them and just bake them like that is. And then what I love about them is they're just the most portable power food because quinoa is a complete protein. And then you can just like stick them in a container and take them on the road, take them on a plane. They're my favorite plane snack. And then I also love to serve them with like a tahini sauce. So I just, I like some creaminess. Creaminess. That's a great, that's a really great idea. Well, I think where this conversation was going for me, it's funny, we've taken it in so many different directions, but you know, I sort of loosely subscribe to this idea of like meatless Mondays. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't, I don't hold it hard in our house, but I think starting the week off with like a veggie forward dinner and just sort of taking meat off the table leaves so much space for eating what's in season and sort of honoring the things that I've either picked up at the grocery store or at the farmer's market Mm -hmm. that week. Instead of calling it meatless Mondays, because to me that like, it almost feels like it's like this it feels like, like an obligation. Strict. It's yeah. like an obligation. And there's yeah. something that about it that feels it's like a little bit too, what's the word I'm looking for? That it's like too virtuous. Like I'm yeah. not trying to make it virtuous. <laughs> I just want it to be delicious. Right. Um, but I love beans and greens. You're like, I, we're having like a psychic <laughs> moment because uh, there's one more thing I want to tell you about, but please tell me about beans and greens first because our brains just are really – well, we're always aligned. We're always aligned. And this is why we started this podcast because we would have these conversations and be like, no, no, I can't believe you made that. So I just kind of generally, like I grew up in the Midwest eating like those baked beans, like those yeah. sort of sweet, you know, generally like a brown bean, a pinto, whatever. Most of the ones that I ate came out of a can. You know, it was like a barbecue bean basically. And sort of when I got out of there, I was like, wait, there's a whole world of beans that I've never known. And I realize I am a real bean lover. And so I've kind of spent a lot of time catching up to the first 20 years of my life when I didn't really eat any beans except this one kind of bean. And so I love beans. And then I am a lover of greens, of of cooked greens. I actually don't love, we can debate this some other time. I actually don't really love a salad. Like I don't love a lettuce Oh no, I can't. I can't. We'll debate this some other episode, but like a cold lettuce salad is like not one of my favorite things. No, no. It's so good. But cooked greens, I love. I cannot get enough of cooked greens. I love (laughs) kale and chard and collards and I love all the ways to cook them. So I sort of start with like the, what beans and greens are we having on Monday? And is and that I really go, your go-to Monday dish? Is that's like my it's go-to Monday dish. What's the beans yeah. and greens that I can make? And sometimes like this cauliflower Parmesan dish, there's not beans in there. It's a, no. And that's okay. 
and there really aren't greens in there besides like the herbs either, but they're, but it's the same it's idea, cauliflower. Yeah, but there's the cauliflower. Eventually. And so I'm always kind of asking myself, like, what are the beans and greens dishes that I make? And I, I do a lot of riffing on like with like a pasta and I'll, mm-hmm. you know, saute a bunch of vegetables and then I'll add like a tomato sauce and I'll add some chickpeas that I've cooked. I do like really garlicky white beans and, you know, just like cook white beans with like a ton of garlic and oregano. So they sort of have like this like, pizza-ish yeah. part of them. And then I always add well, a couple of Parmesan rinds into that. I want to go back to your beans, but can I just segue for one second? Because it's just yeah, like could be a better transition. Because I just want to my... tell you everything. <laughs> I know. And I like, I actually want to go back to a lot of things you just said. I, I had to control myself, but that was the most perfect transition because what I was going to offer in this category of like entrees, right? We're talking about like yes. real entrees. Like center. Like a real dinner. Yeah. Yes. The center of your meal. So the one of my favorite all-time centers of my meal that concerns beans is something called pizza beans. And oh my God, I forgot. Pizza yes. beans, yes. And I did not invent pizza beans. The amazing Deb Perlman of Smitten Kitchen is where I discovered them. Although her recipe and mine are quite different, but the idea, the concept, and this is how we all inspire each other definitely came from her. But basically, pizza beans again, is in this family of what we've been talking about. And it's where you take cooked beans. And I really, really love Christmas lima. Um, That's something you get from Rancho Gordo. And they're so steaky. They're like big and meaty. Yeah. They keep their, there's like, they, they keep their texture. They don't, they don't melt in. They, you get, there's like a, like a textual component, like the farro. Yes. Yeah. They like really keep their integrity. Another great bean, if you can get your hands on it is um, a Whipple bean, which is a big fat brown bean or a good mother stollard bean, which is very similar to Whipple. But you could I'm also really just really getting into the artisanal beans. I'm getting into artisanal beans for a second. But Christmas lima is much easier to come by. And if you couldn't, regular lima, dried lima or canned lima is great. Right. Um, or a, a mix of like kidney beans and maybe some other beans. Anyway, I like a big fat bean for this. And <laughs> it's basically the same idea in a way as all the things we're talking about, which is like a good marinara. You can totally use a jarred one. I Beans that basically are three quarters cooked. So they're still like, they have some time they're to still finish still absorbing off. flavor. Yes. yes. And then I think I add like carrot to it as well for a little sweetness and a little vegetable mix in the action. And you cook it in a casserole dish and you can top it with cheese and breadcrumbs if you want. It's like yeah. a... It's like a version of baked beans, but not sweet. And then again, if you add the cheese and the breadcrumbs, then you really get the pizza action. And then you can just dip bread in it and that makes it even more pizza-y. It's just the most, it's really fun for entertaining. It's a really fun bean dish. If you're not so into beans, it's like a good gateway bean recipe. It's a gateway bean recipe. Well, it's funny that I can't believe that you're bringing up this recipe because we have had this conversation offline, but I actually came to this idea of, I used to call it pizza rice and beans. And Mm. I came to it via this recipe called tomato rice with cheddar, which is actually written. I want to look up the recipe. I think it's written by a, it's an, it's an Indian recipe and it has like Indian flavors. That sounds so good. So tomato rice with crispy cheddar and the recipe is by Priya Krishna and Ritu Krishna. And I think it's actually that she got, I don't know. We'll have to find out. Like, I think she got the recipe. It was told to her by her mom or her friend or her aunt, but it has Indian roots. So like this this has like a little bit of Indian flavoring into it. But the first time that I made this, I was like, wow, this is such an adaptable recipe. And I love the play of the 
the tomatoes with the cheddar, which yeah. is not always like a go-to for me. Like I sort of think like tomatoes in the Italian range. And so I'm always thinking about like, you know, Parmesan and Pecorino and more Italian-esque cheeses. And the this sharp cheddar with tomatoes with like fresh tomatoes and and basically old rice because I'm always looking up for I'm always you mean like for, you mean like day old right like rice you yes, really cooked day old so. yeah rice that's, yeah that's that also because it's like a day old or or has come out of the freezer it's a little bit drier and so yes. then when it goes into this saucy tomato goodness it soaks that back up and it's so flavorful and so I, I was, love a cheddar with tomatoes by the way I love like when I make yeah. homemade pizza I often and throw on a sharp cheddar in the mix because that tanginess is just so yeah, yummy like, with the yeah it's, it's such an unex I guess it's that's only my brain certainly other people think about it that way but it's like my the limitation on my brain of thinking of like oh tomatoes they go with like the Italian cheeses and it's like actually no tomatoes go amazing with sharp cheddar and I have started riffing on that recipe and I usually just like saute a bunch of vegetables and then I add some beans in and then I add some some rice in and then I top the whole thing with some version of cheese. Usually I stick with the, the sharp cheddar because it's so delicious and it's a fantastic like- Wait, and you add beans to this? Is that, did I miss I that? And I add beans to this. Oh, okay. And the, well, this original recipe doesn't have beans in it. Right. The, the Priya Krishna one doesn't have beans in it. But you know, I was always like, oh, I could add like, you can add a can of chickpeas if you have them. If you've got yeah. some pinto beans or white beans or anything, you can take it in so many directions and you can add like a handful of greens in there. Like I can get my beans and greens in that recipe. You could totally um, add greens in there. I feel like every recipe we talked about, you could almost add beans and greens. So even the Faro one, you could add greens and beans to and that beans and it would that. work. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I want to go back to like your beans and greens night and especially like the white beans that you mentioned. Are you using dried beans to make that dish? The white idea of white beans came to me from this cookbook I really love by Anna Thomas called Love Soup. And she talks mm. about making these like this sort of white bean, cook white beans with like a bunch with like bay leaves and a ton of oregano and then Parmesan rinds. And you can make it as like sort of brothy or thick as you want. And then you add you know, you can add some greens in at the end and we do all kinds of versions of this. So I've put it over pasta before. I really like it with crusty mm. bread. You know, back in the day when I was catering a lot, my friend Amelia and I would make a version of this dish where we put white wine in it and, yeah. you know, and make this like white bean mash that we would put on crostinis that we would serve to people. And so I just think there's so much interesting variation with beans because you can have and you them you can like, make a dip out of that too. You could take yes, those beans and, and puree cool them. them puree them yeah basically whip them into a white bean hummus that's like garlicky and parmigiani and yeah I do a similar thing with white beans I often use rosemary I really because it just grows outside everywhere yes. um but yeah I, I love those flavors and and it's true that the thing about beans is like they're just that incredible canvas like just earlier this week I made a pot of whipple beans the ones I mentioned because you know how I love an heirloom bean but I decided to use up uh, some of my turkey stock that was in the freezer. So after Thanksgiving, I always make a yes. stock out of the carcass like we've talked about. Yeah. And like that's to me actually better than any part of Thanksgiving is the stock that I make afterwards. Oh, I've been cooking with that stock for days. And I have I'm, I had I ended up with two turkey carcasses. I took my friends as well. And yeah. so I have tons in the freezer and I have some in the fridge. And yeah, it's amazing. I too, too. It's an embarrassment yeah. of riches. I was kind of thinking like, oh God, I, I have to make a new batch of stock. But anyway, I 
I cook beans in this stock and added just like a few more fresh herbs, bay and rosemary and thyme. I added that to the stock and to the beans. And I think I probably added garlic and carrot too. And it was just so like flavorful without any yeah. extra like obviously it's not vegetarian because it's turkey stock but it yeah that's where I just I let myself off the hook from this like idea that you know on Mondays we can't eat meat because like also if I end up not making it to the farmer's market we have a Monday farmer's market here that has an amazing rotisserie chicken truck so if I end up at that farmer's market I'm always getting one of those rotisserie chickens from Mr. John so I'm not gonna (laughs) like hold I'm not trying to create this like angst in myself about it but I do love this idea of like a vegetarian starting the week off with like a vegetarian meal and I also think it's nice to sort of think about it as a theme you know totally there's m- meatless Mondays and then you can do like taco, taco Tuesdays, Tuesdays. And with the beans people- you made on Monday yeah yeah it, with, exactly and so I think there's it's something nice to think about as I'm meal planning it's like if I'm feeling very short on inspiration and also haven't talked to you in a few days <laughs> you know I was think like okay like what's the way like here where it's a framing that's going to give me a place to start. And that's a nice one to do it with. Yeah. It's such a great framing. And like you said, but not being rigid. I feel like I do that too. I typically start my week with really vegetable heavy dishes, partly because we get produce on the weekend from the farmer's market. And so then it's like, you know, you just want to start using it because it's there and it's fresh and it's exciting. But I also like to have a little freedom and not like pin myself down to it has to be Monday or it has to be Tuesday. But inevitably, if I make a great vegetable Monday dish, it kind of moves its way into the week, right? Into other meals. That like work, that work pays off. And and speaking of freedom and of another idea that I really fits into this category and is something I learned from you is this idea of creating like a grain bowl, which Mm. is certainly not, this is not original. There's grain bowls everywhere, but the thing that changed it for me was actually there's two things that changed it for me. Crispy fried onions, which you taught me about. Oh yeah. um, With like, so I grew up eating, you know, mushroom casserole with the French fried onions that come out of a can and which you can do and those are fine, but you mean green bean and mushroom casserole, right? Green bean and mushroom casserole. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's mushroom soup and green beans and then top it with the onions and you bake it. And that's a very traditional Thanksgiving dish that I grew up eating. Eating, but you were like, no, no, you can fry these onions fresh. And this is also when I think I really bought into your idea of the mandolin, which I was yes. like, I was resistant <laughs> to for so long. I was like, I do not need more equipment in my kitchen. And then, so you shave and, and you can do it by hand if you want, but you, yes. sh- you shave an onion and then you just lightly coat it in flour and fry it. It's such a simple step that makes that pays such huge dividends if you're basically eating a bowl of rice, beans, and vegetables. Like it and it is, keeps really good at room temperature for a while. Well. So yes. you can just put it in a container and on your counter and you'll eat it the whole week. I mean, it doesn't we last literally that long. never have leftovers over the, yeah, of it though yeah. because I eat about half of them before we like sit down to the meal. I'm like, oh, I just to make sure that this is crispy enough. You know, you're just like pulling them out of the pan. You can, I do love dusting it with flour and I think that makes a perfect fried onion. But I also learned it's a you know traditional practice in Vietnamese cooking, but you can take a shallot, do the same thing and just fry it in oil and it crisps up without any breading at all. So if you're gluten intolerant or not wanting right. flour, you can really do the same thing with both onions and shallots. 
And they're both equally delicious. Delicious. Topping that on anything. The other thing that really made that really makes this idea of a bowl meal fun and interesting and also customizable for each person at the table, as you know, as someone who I like a lot of flavor, my husband likes a decent amount of flavor. And I have a six-year-old who doesn't love a lot of saucy things or a lot of sort of intense flavors that that I am drawn to, is coming up with a really good sauce that then you can pass at the yes. at the table. And the sauce that I'm thinking of is you made this cashew cream, which was basically just like soaked cashews. You whirl them in the blender and then you can add flavors to them. Like you can add garlic and herbs and spices. I think the time that we were making this, we were sort of channeling the more sort of Middle Eastern flavors like cumin and coriander, but you could really take that in a direction of like Latin flavors, like chili powder. Turmeric and like a garam masala. You could- you could go in so many – cash is literally – and also like everyone thinks you have to soak cashews overnight. I'm here to tell you you can take cashews – raw. they have to be raw. They can't be toasted. You take raw cashews and if you pour boiling water over them and let them sit for like 10, 10 minutes, minutes. Yeah. that does the work of an overnight soak. Yes. Um, and yeah, and then you just whir that together with water, lemon juice, salt and pepper and literally whatever flavors you want, whether it's fresh herbs or dried yeah. spices, any of that works. And then you have this like – protein rich it's almost cheesy it's, it's so fatty creamy. like it's so yeah. creamy and fatty and it's this really it makes this meal that is virtuous that definitely feels virtuous like rice <laughs> yes. beans and vegetables right but then you add these couple of like naughty things on top that feels it just doesn't feel sad then you're like oh yeah a crispy fried onion and this like fatty sauce which is like good fat right it's the good no kind it's of all it's like naughty in quotation marks because yes like it's really nothing <laughs> naughty but that but that element of something fried and crispy and something rich and creamy makes you feel like you're indulging without it being a a big yeah yeah, without it being a big huge indulgence so I wow okay I am so hungry right now wait I I want to add like I have I have one more thing I got to add to this though which is like (laughs) this is also a place where you can use these jarred sauces that you buy and if you're going if you're talking about some kind of rice veggie bowl that may or may not include beans. One of the sauces that I became super obsessed with when I learned, I think I'm late to this game, but there's this company called Fly by Jing. If you read the jar, I've like, I sat one day and I was like, who is making this? What was happening? I'm reading the jar. I'm like, I really want to know this woman. I want to be friends with her because not only is what she makes so delicious, but her, what her company stands for is also incredibly interesting to me. And she really says like they're made traditionally, but like with her palette, which I I love her ownership of that. And like, I want to know more about her palette because her sauces are amazing. And just drizzling some of her chili crisp on like any bowl of rice and vegetables is such an upgrade. When you were talking about sauces, I was thinking about fly by Jing as well because it's phenomenal. But I was also thinking about this sauce that comes out of Portland, which I think you can order online. And it's called, um, it's made by Hot Mama Salsa. And they have this coffee chili oil. And it is made somehow with coffee beans, but it it doesn't taste like coffee, but it has this like rich earthiness, almost chocolatiness. Oh, how interesting. I love that idea. One of the best chili oils I've ever tried. And you just like can't understand why it's so good. But I just think again, like you said, even a a bottle of sriracha on the table, like I want a little chili flavor in my vegetable dishes, like almost kind of no matter what. And so having these, like you can have your own homemade thing, but you can also have the store-bought have thing and store-bought all of these thing. things. And if you didn't, right. if you, if you're really scrambling to get dinner on the table and you just like cannot 
bring yourself to make a cashew cream or fry these onions. Totally. Having a jar, having a, a few jar options of like that, of that are really helpful when, yeah, when, when like, and I'm trying to sort of hold this category gently, like, right? rice and beans, beans and greens, meatless Monday, like how to make it a little bit more exciting and just eat a few more vegetables. But Carrie, I really can't talk anymore because I have to go eat something because <laughs> I am so hungry. <laughs> well, this is one of my favorite subjects to talk about with you because we both share a deep love of vegetables. And I think vegetables are infinitely interesting because they're changing oh, every so season. Interesting. Yeah. And there's so many ways to to play with them. Whereas like if you're talking about a chicken, there's only a few things you can do with it. You can, well, I might look- I kind of disagree about chicken, but I don't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree about vegetables. Vegetables and what I also love about vegetables, like not only are there different seasons and different things coming up, but a vegetable changes over the course of a season. Like a yes. winter carrot's different than a spring carrot, and so then the way you cook it kind of matters based on the season. Not that you can't make it a roast vegetable all year round, but like there are times of year where, like honestly, a steamed vegetable makes more sense. Yes. Or, yeah. You know, yeah, or a raw vegetable. Anyway, I I like you could talk about vegetables. And beans and rice and <laughs> for greens, tea yeah, so, yes, and greens exactly. and pasta. <laughs> I'm sure we will. There's so much more to talk about. Well, thanks for having this conversation with me and uh, happy cooking. Happy cooking. Talk to you soon. <laughs> thanks for being our food friend. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this episode with friends. We love hearing from you, so follow us on Instagram or drop us a line at foodfriendspodcast.com. Yes, we'd love to hear from you and your food friends. Happy cooking and eating.